Welcome. Erica is an amazing source of inspiration and hope. She comes from a background in which no one really believed in her, and yet Erica has nonetheless developed an incredible ability to believe in both herself and others. She believes there is goodness in every one of us, and she has a way of drawing out that goodness. I know Erica believes in me, and that has made all the difference. I know that she also believes in you. How did I get to the Air Force? How did I get to the military? Um, A little bit of a journey, and I think it's all of us have a journey on how we ended up, let's say, in the military. But for me, if I can um, walk time back a little bit and, and share with you and your audience that I was born in pure poverty in Central America. I did not come to the United States until I was 12. It wasn't me coming to the United States. I was brought into the United States. And when I went into the Air Force, I was 22 years old. So those are the big chunks of time. But if I can share with you uh, pieces of those of those chunks of time, I think it's going to make sense um, why why the Air Force, why why me feeling so proud now, now proud in an egotistical way, but just proud that I can say that I served for 32 and a half years. So it started in Central America, very, very poor. I remember my brothers and I eating ants to survive. And um, I do remember Tiffany, uh, the warm, uh, the warm sun, the tropical type of environment. Uh, My two brothers and I playing, my mother, And everything was, even though we were poor, everything felt good. Everything felt safe until my mother walked away from us. And when she, when she did so, the little decrepit shack that we lived in, it was decrepit. uh, She, she locked it. She locked it from the outside, leaving myself and my two brothers locked in. Um, I want to say that it was in complete darkness, but no, it was a, it was a little shack made up with different pieces of material, but nonetheless, uh, Tiffany, I was five years old and I was abandoned by my own mother. And we were in that room for seven days. We had a little bit of water no food. And I was the oldest. And sometimes I'm I'm sharing this story with people. And, and sometimes I go, because I was the oldest, I took charge because I was the oldest, I was really obligated to take care of my brothers. And I say that, and then I think, I mean, how can a five-year-old think that? But Tiffany, I assure you that I really took the role of, I am responsible. I am responsible for the survival of my two brothers and myself. Um, 
seven days were very, very long. But we were rescued. And we were rescued by my grandmother. And usually at, the, at this point in the story, I jump and I go, we were rescued and I lived with my grandmother. And at 12, my, my mother who left came back and brought us to the United States. But Tiffany, if, if you can be, if you can just be gracious enough to give me just one minute to, to tell you because it's very significant what happened the moment that we were rescued. The moment that we were rescued um, kind of grounded a lot of things in me. And what grounded in me is that when that door opened and I saw my grandmother, I thought my grandmother was going to come to me to pick me up and hug me and tell me how proud she was of me but she didn't. She saw me, but she bypassed me and went to my little brother. Thinking back, of course, right? Thinking back, of course, she should have gone to the, to the little one, to the baby. But when I'm standing in that room full of filth and I just want some sort of security and she bypasses me, Something in me changed that translated to I'm not enough. Someone else is better than I am. And I know that it sounds crazy, but that's maybe why I'm talking about it today. Tiffany, before we do anything, I just want to thank you so much for this amazing opportunity to be in your room, to share space with you and to... And to be so proud of you, you are an amazing leader. I, I love you since the minute we met. And for me, to, for me to share my story with you and your audience, it's pretty special. As I was letting people down, they were not happy with me. And Tiffany, I share with people how I stood in the middle of that room and I started fixing my clothes. I started fixing my clothes because I, I was not proper. And I share that, that just at least that, that piece of the story. So people understand that um, mentally I had already at five, a lot of baggage, a lot of baggage. And then when my mother came back, um, when I was 12, she came back because we survived an earthquake. And because of that earthquake, the news made it to the States. She learned about it and she came back to get us. So there I am, already a little damaged, very, very angry at this strange woman that is taking us to a place where we don't want to go, Tiffany. And because of her bringing us to the United States, I very quickly at the age of 16, saw myself homeless in the streets of Las Vegas. And I was 16, Tiffany, don't judge me. But I found 
or maybe he found me. I found someone that I thought would protect me and give me the security that I had always been looking for. And I know that it's going to sound like a red, big flag. Every time I, I share this, um, I know that people just shake their heads. I was 16 and um, this man that I thought was going to save me was 32. 32. And um, when he beat me, when he told me how disgusting I was and that I could not find anyone else that would love me in this world, I believed him. And Tiffany wasn't until I was 22 that something, two things happened. The, the abuse, the physical abuse, mental abuse continued on. I even had to ask, um, I even had to ask him if I could eat or not. I could eat, I could drink water. I was free to do that, but I had everything else um, needed his permission. What shoes am I going to wear? What clothes am I going to wear? How do you want my hair? Do you want it on a ponytail down? He controlled literally every movement of my life, but two things happened. One time he was uh, beating me pretty hard. And I, um, I ran away from the apartment that we lived in. And um, Tiffany, if you could see me now, I'm, I'm holding my shirt. So I was holding my shirt and I'm running through an alley, holding on to whatever I have on me. And I'm just running. And then I start seeing lights and it's the police. And then I start looking up and people in that alley, the apartment buildings, there are people looking at the window, looking at me run through the alley. And one of the police officers, Tiffany, comes out of his vehicle, takes his coat off, takes his coat off and puts it on me and then holds it really tight and gets me really close to him and says, Erica, if you don't do something to save your life, we're going to find your dead body in the desert one of these days. And why did he say that? He said that because it wasn't the first time that the police was called because I was being beaten. That was the first time that someone said I had control of my life. I had control of what happened to me. And it was a starting point of, of me then looking at an out, looking at a way of saving me. And I saw the Air Force. I saw that the Air Force as that opportunity for me to move for me to do something else. So when I, when I share my story of why did I go into the military? The military saved me, Tiffany, literally saved my life. And when I was in that first night of basic training, staring at that metal bed, 
hearing other women cry. I, I, maybe I was crying, but I wasn't crying because I was there. Well, no, I was crying because I was there, but I was thanking God that that was the first night that I wasn't going to be beaten. I wasn't going to be raped and I wasn't going to be diminished as, as a human. That's how I got to the Air Force. Erica is the most resilient person I know. I believe it is her remarkable inner spirit and her warm-heartedness. She has come through so much and has achieved so much with grace and poise and dignity. I am truly honored to be mentored by Erica and to have the privilege of working alongside her as we learn and grow together. <laughs> Erica's the best. We all have a journey, Tiffany. And um and we and, and it's interesting that sometimes uh we see our lives definitely from where we sit or our perspective, or we hold on to the injustices that sometimes we have to go through. But if we start looking at life from a perspective of not because it makes that other person right or wrong, it's just looking at a, a situation from a different perspective and looking at it from a, show me what you see, because it might be different than what I'm looking at. It takes energy and it takes time and it takes um, us being intentional about what we're doing. But I truly believe that, it, the, you know, we, we talk or, or maybe if I can say this boldly, um, you know, I am in your podcast not because of my um, mistakes or failures, but my mistakes and failures are part of my success, part of me being significant in this world. But we need to talk about how we can be vulnerable enough to share those stories with the thought that maybe some criticism might come from those stories. And still be okay with it because it's part of the journey and it's part of highlighting that. Um, I don't know where I read it, but it says, you know, on top, you know, success is on the top of all kinds of failures. I like that. And I think it's so true too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Tiffany, again, uh, I know that it's hard. It is so, so hard. But if we don't tell our story, if we don't feel comfortable with who we are, good, bad, or ugly, who we are, where are we going? If we don't have a at least a little bit of comfort in that, then what happens is people will look at us very superficially. If you did not know my story, what you would know about me is that I worked and I worked as a special agent for Customs and Border Protection. 
awesome that I was a um, command chief master sergeant in the Air Force. And in that position, I, and it's amazing to say, I, I was one of the top 10 enlisted in the Air Force itself. And if the Air Force is, is cut into components, I represented a third. I represented the reserve side of the Air Force. So if superficially you look at Erica Kelly, business owner, retired military, special agent, uh, work for a three-letter agency, that she must be so lucky. Right? Mm-hmm. Some people might say that. Erica Kelly is so lucky. But if you understand the journey, if you understand that it was hard, it was hard work to navigate uh, two communities, law enforcement and military, two communities that are and still are very male-dominated, then you start putting the pieces of the of the puzzle together and realize, and you know, if I can use the word miracle in here, realize that no one would have predicted uh, Erica Kelly abandoned eating ants to survive a very angry child because she was pulled away from home, uh, homeless in, you know, in the streets of Las Vegas. No one, Tiffany, no one would have predicted that um, some people would say, oh, Erica is so lucky. Yeah. It goes back to that saying, don't judge a book by its cover, because all you see is this female who was, is it, so, all right, I don't want to mix it up. So that your, your rank was, is it command chief or command master chief? Is that what it is? In the Air Force, in the Air Force, um, the, the rank is chief master sergeant. The position was that I was a command chief master sergeant in the navy i would have been a command master chief and see i'm army so i don't know any of that so so in the (laughs) army in the army i would have been command uh, sergeant major the command yeah the command sergeant major of the reserve forces yes uh tiffany one of the first things i needed to do was to get myself out of my own way Um, i had the perfect excuse or excuses not to move forward, not to do anything, to keep a stereotypical negative, stereotypical view of um, a poor Hispanic female immigrant. My mother's biggest dream for me, this is not a criticism towards my mother. It's, it's just a woman that had a second grade education looking at the American dream for me. One of the reasons that I ended up being homeless at 16 was because my mom did not want me to finish high school. To her, it was unnecessary. I needed to work and help out the family. I.
Yes, good afternoon. This is James Parker Bitten. I'm glad to be uh, and, and honored to be adding a little bit of information about Erica Kelly. I served with Erica Kelly at March Air Reserve Base when she was the command chief there. And uh, I was working at the 163rd Air National Guard on the same base. And uh, I just can't say enough about Erica Kelly's leadership and guidance and her, uh, her spirit to help other people in the process. It's been noted many times in all these social media forums, uh, whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook, she's always leading, always encouraging. And uh, just a big shout out to her and hope, hope her recognition goes extremely well. Thank you. Erica's a force to reckon with. Her passion, her friendship, her drive, her ability to allow others to see themselves in a whole other light, her ability to help others navigate to become a better version of themselves, her impact that she makes on others, on teams, as an educator, as a friend, as a mentor. I truly feel blessed to have Erica as my mentor, my friend, and I am so proud of all the accomplishments that you have made, Erica, and continue being that ray of sunshine to everybody. And I look forward to seeing all of the fantastic things that you're going to continue to do. Thank you. the top person in the Air Force Reserve. How did that pan out for you? Well, I um, I loved my mission. I loved being a medic. I, I loved the opportunity to do operational missions deployed. And I was, I was really exposed to a lot of things in the world, which just fed, fed me goodness. I, I love to travel and, and get to know people and get to learn about different cultures. But um, what ended up happening to Tiffany is that when I got to the rank of chief, chief master sergeant, or for the other branches, uh, the, the E9 um, rank, I knew that if I stayed there in, in that same environment, being a medic, being the chief of that squadron, that I would um, become stale because I needed to keep growing myself and I needed to make room for others to grow underneath me. So I, I made a decision that I was going to stay as, as the chief master sergeant of my squadron, AirVac, for two or three years at the most. And I was going to do something else because I needed to create that, that room for people to promote, that room for people to continue to grow. What was I going to do? I don't know. At the time, I didn't know. I just knew that I needed to serve my people by me getting out of their way of growing. And in that time, Tiffany, 
what happened is that the command chief of that uh, military installation at the time, it was uh, March um, Air Reserve Base in Southern California. The command chief said, um, I'm going to retire. And if anyone's interested in learning, looking at what this job is all about, just put in your name in the hat and I will mentor you. And that's what I did. I'm like, I'm jumping in. And Tiffany, for a year before that amazing leader retired, he mentored me. So when I put in for the job, when I applied to become something completely different than I had been in my military career, and people asked me, the panel asked me, what have you done to prepare yourself for this position? I was able to say for the last year and a half, I've been doing this and this and that. And it was pretty amazing, pretty amazing to take risk, pretty amazing to do something completely different, just helping people in a different platform. But um, looking back, looking back, my biggest fear then was public speaking. I was very much afraid of my accent, of people, it still is a little bit, I think, of people criticizing me. Um, so I had to fight my own fears, my own insecurities, take risk and go to that interview. And lo and behold, get selected as the wing command chief. And then from there, uh, get other positions uh, within the, the realm of um, executive leadership, of command level decision making. And for my last assignment to to be at the Pentagon, to be at headquarters, uh, Air Force Reserve, and and serve um, to serve my people in a different way. It, it, it was a, an amazing journey, Tiffany. And I think you're still doing that with but with your own business now. You are mentoring other people, even though you still have that fear of public speaking. I wouldn't know by hearing you speak. So I think that's amazing that you, as you overcome what your struggles are, you're helping other people overcome their own. And I think that's amazing. I love what I do, Tiffany. I I mean, I, I love what I did in law enforcement. I love what I did as an airman. But um, I'm still, I'm still for people. I am for people. And uniform or not uniform, um, I know that my purpose is to lead. My purpose is to help. My, my purpose is to crush, um, those mindsets that we have that just limit, limits how we make decisions or limits how we move forward in life. So I love what I'm doing now. Love, love what I'm doing now. And you can tell you do an amazing job. So yeah, I, I, I would say from my perspective, there is no doubt that you like what you do because you're so good at it. 
self-value and self-worth um, are key for us to move forward. What I would tell that person is that you are valuable enough and, you're, and you, you are worthy enough to have your dream, to meet your goals, to work hard, to understand that every step that you're making forward, every decision that you're making forward is absolutely for you. But it's also absolutely for you to showcase and model behavior for others to follow. At one point in time, Tiffany, I told you, I maybe didn't have the faith enough in me. I needed to borrow it. I needed to borrow it from somebody else. Well, if anyone in that amazing audience that is yours is listening to this and they're thinking of the military as an opportunity for a career, an opportunity to do something else, I say go for it. Go for it. Take the risk. You don't have to have all the pieces in place to move forward. And even if you have a reserved personality, it doesn't matter, everyone. We all have our own gifts. We all have our own talents. We don't have to be clones of each other. If the military is your path, make it a reality for your life. Promise you won't regret it. Something that I, I want people to know is that th there's no finish line in self-growth. There's no finish line in self-awareness. Because every time you get to that line that you think is the end, you see the world different. You see more of the world. So if if you know as we're finishing this this interview what i obviously want to say is thank you tiffany for giving me this platform to share a little bit of me but if we can learn from those losses in life if we can learn from those mistakes in life then we truly understand that there's no finish line in learning. No finish line. Thank you. Have a nice day. Thank you and have a nice day.